0: But it's really good for us to come together on this uh, rather windy and wet morning, and for us to think of our fifty students and young people who are on a hilltop somewhere in Yorkshire <laughs> now you can imagine what it's like down there, but here we are in this safe, warm environment and what I want to do today I want us to share I want to share something about our vision for the future as we move on into this coming year and to all that God has got for us. And when we sang that song, there must be more than this. I used to struggle with that song when it was first introduced. Because there are, it seems to me, various ways in which you can express those particular words. It's almost like you can have head in hands. Oh there must be more than this. You know, if you've ever been in that sort of situation where it's almost you've got to the end of your tether and you've said, there must be more than this. And yet that song is not stating that. It's not a cry of someone at the end of the tether. I believe it is a statement of faith. There is more to come. There is more in Jesus for us yet to receive. And the cry is, there must be more than this because we know there is more than this to come. God has so much more He wants to do in and through us than we have so far received. But we need the Spirit of God to come and keep us afresh, keep us on fire for Him in order that we receive the more that He has got for us. So for her, the church died. I am not sure whether this fits in or not. But it looks good up there, doesn't it? You know I mean? But it is very much about who we are as a people. Gone! That's it. That's what I like. Just remove it. This This word is one of a series of one. That's the best way to get away with that one. But the, I want to end, give a title to this morning's word, and it is, What Are We Building? And it can be addressed to us as individuals and us corporately. What are we building with our time and our lives and our resources? Because I believe God gives us a choice. He gives us that free choice to decide, are we going to build for him or are we going to build for ourselves? And we as a church community have made that choice that we wish to build for Jesus because Jesus is alive. Thank you. Listen, I'm only doing that because last week Ian got a cheer when he said that. So I thought, right, let's see if it works the second week. Jesus is alive. Oh, Oh, We could be here till tea time. Say nothing more. But I want to begin by looking at two things that were constructed. Two stories of constructions in the Old Testament. And the first one is the Tower of Babel, found in Genesis chapter 11. And when we read this story, what we'll find is... You know, there's a lot of time and energy and resources goes into this building. But the reality is, it's not in line with God's purposes. So, it's built with human hands. It requires time and effort. And if we begin to read in Genesis chapter 11. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain... And Shinar and settled there. They said to other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city. With a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. And not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city. And the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, If as one people speak in the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. Now, when we look at what these people were building, we'll be struck by the fact that it's not the the bricks. It's not the, the tar instead of mortar. The issue here is one of intention of heart because they simply wanted to make a name for themselves. There is no mention here about the glory of God. There's no mention here about doing it for others. It's, I want to build this tower. I want to build this city for my own reputation for my own name for my own desires and God comes and confuses them in their language and puts an end to their plans and as we move forward in our lives day by day as we seek to progress in our careers as we seek to develop here as a community of faith the question is who is first is it God or is it me The big I. I, Am I the central figure in all of my plans and purposes? And we need to make sure that we get the right priorities here. God is not against us developing in a career, but he wants himself to be at the center of that and pursue him with all of our hearts, with all of our strength. And these people, they had got together to build a tower that reaches to the heavens, and perhaps they wanted to become like God, like Genesis chapter 3 verse 5 said, because in those days a tower represented a gateway to heaven. They wanted to make themselves that channel of reaching the heavens, and we are gods! And you know, we live in a world, don't we? Where it is the, in the sense it's that almost each individual thinks they are the God of their own lives. It's what I want. It's what I say. And when you look at the television, when you look at the opposition, the Christian gospel is getting right in this country, at this season. We realize that the freedom to preach the gospel is under threat from people who are wanting to place themselves in the place of God and say, look, we're building a tower for our own gratification, for our own glory, and we don't care who we trample on. We don't care who we overcome. We are going to decide, and I believe God will eventually move against these powers. You know, what a crazy world we live in. There was an interview on the television just recently where now someone wants to make it illegal for the word pet to be uh, used when referring to your cat or dog. Because it undermines their status. Now, I used to have... Two dogs. I used to have a rabbit, and I used to have a budgie. Now, not necessarily in that order. But I can honestly say, I called each and every one of them, particularly the dogs, worse than pets. And it didn't upset them at all. What a crazy, crazy world we live in. But we are living in that age where it says, Come, Let us make a name for ourselves. And we as the people of God have to stand out against that. We are not wanting to make a name for ourselves. The only name that we should be wanting to proclaim is Jesus. And as we've broken bread today, it is that statement that there is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. I wonder how long before people take exception to that. Have you thought about it? As we proclaim the uniqueness of Christ, how long before that really upsets someone? We've got to stand for freedom of speech. We've got to stand up for those who do not think as we think, but they need to allow us to think as we think and speak as we speak without fear or prejudice. Oh, well, that's the end of that rant. Now then. So these people are building this tower, they want to shape their own future, ignore God's word to them, multiply and fill the whole earth, and God comes down and confuses their plans and everything comes to naught. And the very thing they wanted is destroyed. Consider this, the very thing, have you ever thought about the very, the very freedom that many say we have to have is the very thing that will enslave them? Because it comes round, And it attacks people in ways they never thought possible. So this is the building of the Tower of Babel. So the question is, what are we building? And it is not a tower. It is not a community. It should not be a career where our first and foremost priority is to gain for self. We need to be those who have a higher calling, who recognize that higher calling, and pursue it with all of our hearts, And all of our souls. Now, there is another construction that we read of in the Old Testament time and time again. It follows right through. And that is the construction of an altar. Now, when you think of the Tower of Babel, it is this major construction going on. When you think of an altar, it is the exact opposite of this tower. It is a very simple construction. Probably simply made by whatever the individuals could find around them. You know, they hadn't gone to Ikea and bought a do-it-yourself altar kit that you had to read the instructions and put together and there it was. They would gather whatever was around them. But that simple altar attracted the favor and the presence and blessing of God. Not the tower built for the glory of man, but the altar Built for the worship of God. We all know the story of Noah. Hemmed in the ark. And then when it comes to the end of that story. It says, this is verse uh, chapter 8 verse 20. Noah built an altar to the Lord. So he's coming out of the ark. And what is the first thing he wants to do as a response to the grace and mercy of God upon him? He wants to build this altar to the Lord. And taking some of all the clean animals and the clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. So the very thing that had been saved in the ark and now the sacrifice. Now I think I might have struggled if I was Noah. You know, I've spent all of this time guarding these animals and now I'm going to give them away In sacrifice. Sacrifice is costly. Sacrifice is costly. And it says in verse 21 of chapter 8. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma. And said in his heart. God hears Noah's prayer. At the altar of sacrifice. Oh. God has heard your prayers this morning. As we come And we have corporately offered ourselves in worship. As you perhaps have come and taken bread and wine. As you have received prayer or not. God has heard the prayer coming from your heart. And God says, Never again will I curse the ground because of man. Even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. And what does he do? As a sign of that everlasting covenant, he sets a rainbow in the skies. He sets a rainbow in the skies. Never be duped into thinking that the rainbow, the full-colored rainbow, is the symbol of God's covenant with mankind never again to come in judgment such as he did on Noah and the people of that time. The rainbow, as you see that rainbow, ought to be the thing that elicits from you that expression of thanksgiving and joy, because God has set it in the skies. You cannot ignore it. It is, a, a rainbow is the most beautiful thing, as it arches over from one end to the other. And it is God saying, I have made this covenant. Do not allow that to be hijacked by those who would use it for other purposes. As the people of God, the rainbow is the covenant, the everlasting sign, of God's covenant to us. So Noah, he builds an altar and God hears the prayer given from that altar. And moving on, you know, we know the story of Abraham in chapter 12. And as we look forward to chapter 12, God speaks and he breaks into Abraham's life And, you know, God has the ability to break in and and change our plans for good, for what he wants. We might be going along in a particular life, career, whatever. And suddenly God comes in and he changes direction. But that is for our blessing. It is our for his purposes, but for our blessing. And Abraham, he leaves the country. It says in verse 4 of chapter 12, Abram left as the Lord had told him. Wouldn't it be easy if we could all say that testimony? God spoke and I did it. How many of us? God spoke and... Whoa. Well, you know, there's, there's, there's time lag. And it can be quite a while. But what I have found is when you are faced with a challenge from God, when you get into that position where you find yourself arguing with the call of God upon your life, God always wins the argument. And you just think, if I'd given in, if I'd given in earlier, what a lot of hassle I would have saved. You know, in a few weeks' time, we're going to uh, have baptism here, first first of March. First of March, we're holding baptisms here. And because of the background I came from, it took ten years from becoming a Christian to getting baptized as a believer. But the problem was that as time went on, over those 10 years, every meeting I went to, it didn't matter what the preacher was preaching on, God would say, you need to be baptized. You need to be baptized. And it didn't matter what it was. You need to be baptized. So you eventually get to that point and say, well, God, fine. I'm going to give in. And you get baptized. And I remember coming out of the water thinking, why have I wasted 10 years? God uses those times. But, you know, when God speaks, let's be like Abraham. as if, So Abraham left as the Lord told him. And he's traveling through. And it says in verse 7 of chapter 12, you know, God has uh, spoken to him and says, So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel to the west and eye on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and he called upon the name of the Lord. God is calling us individually and corporately to build an altar where we can commune and communicate with God. That is the, the, that's got to be the DNA of this church. We're in, you know, we're celebrating our 40th year and it's great to see some people who Sandy and Jonathan, how? what year did you first come? I think I asked just the last time you came. but 1983. So the church was only three years old when Sandy and Jonathan were part of it. And right from those early days, right from those early days, you have that essence of being that worshipping community. And I believe God wants us to build an altar of worship as we come together because that is the place where God encounters the people of God. That's what we want. We don't want meetings. God save us from meetings. Apart from this one. Because this is the best meeting you will be at this morning. Yeah, I have that on good authority. And so as you read through the story of Abraham, we see time and time and time again, God speaks. Abraham's response is one of worship. He builds an altar, and there from that altar, he calls upon the name of the Lord. So altars. Places of worship. Places of sacrifice. Places of prayer. And places of encounters with the living God. And that's who we are. That's what we need to be as a community. And hopefully, in the not too distant future, we want to move from this place into that place across the road. It's a bit like the House of Lords, the other place. We want to move from here to the other place. And that place needs to be that place of worship It needs to be that place of sacrifice. It needs to be that place of prayer. It needs to be that place of encountering God. Because without any of that, it's simply a tin box that we could do without. But as God adds to our numbers, as He fulfills His promises to us, we need that bigger space. But God has to be at the center of it. It's not for a manual to gain a name for us as a church. It is a manual, God with us, to gain a name for Himself. That's got to be our purpose. And the reason that we purchased Unit 1 across the road is not simply to accommodate what God is doing among us now, but it is to reach into God for His promises for the future and say, God, there must be more than this. And God says, there is more than this. And I want you to reach into me for the more than this, because this is too small. What we have here is too small, and God is going to take us across the road And He's going to fulfill every promise to us, which is 400 and... way. (laughs) Yes, I could have been greeted with silence there, that would have been... But the 400 and beyond. Because God has given us a big vision for this community of faith. And so as we look towards the future, as we look towards moving this meeting out of here across the road, the priority for the use of unit one is going to be to facilitate the promises of God being fulfilled among us in growth. That's why we're doing it. No other reason. If we had been a hundred people gathered in here and there was no reason for us to look further, then we would have just stayed here. But God has promised us. God is doing something. And to think that there are 50 people missing this morning. 50 people who perhaps wish they weren't, but they are. You add that 50 to the 150 here this morning and we're full. Because then you have to add in the 80 or 90 children. And so the first call upon us as we move from here across the road is to establish that the life of the church of which Jesus is king is central as we press on into his plans and purposes. But also, moving across the road is going to give us an incredible opportunity to reach into the community. And this is, this is another word that begins with C. Church. You don't pay me for nothing, you know. I mean, it's church. Community. And we're going to be able to reach into the community in a way that we have never done before. Because we will have a facility that is going to give time and space for that ...as we move across the road there. This building will continue to be used very much for conferences. But if we look across at, at uh, any given time period... ...60% of the room usage in this building is actually church use. 60% is church use. Now, when we move across the road, we believe... That will be increased. But God's called us to an ever-increased involvement in the community because God calls people, He has called us to reach those who are yet to be called. You know, thankfully, there was a day when someone reached out to us. Most of us here this morning will have become a Christian through God using a particular individual or a community. And that's certainly my story. And God wants us to reach out. You know, Abraham, what's the what's the essence of the call of Abraham? Leave your country, but I want to bless all the people of the earth through you. So he's not called for himself. The people of God are never ever called to be that inward looking group simply for themselves. They are there as a means of God reaching those who do not yet know him. And, you know, we know the story very well of Moses when he comes before the Lord. And he pleads for the presence of God to go with them. And we quote this very, very often. And, you know, it says, you know, basically, let us not move from here unless your presence goes with us. And we f- home in on that. But the second part of that sentence where Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, uh, let's stay. The second part of that is, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? In other words, how will we be a testimony to those who do not yet know you if your presence isn't with us? And so even in that call for the presence of God to be very central and powerfully with them, that is his sense of we're reaching out. We want to be that testimony to people who are not yet in the people of God. They need to come and recognize His presence and be drawn to the people of God. You know, we've got many, many New Testament prophecy, uh, scriptures. But you see, Jesus, Jesus comes as a light to the Gentiles in Isaiah forty nine. Now you may have realized I skipped forward a little bit then. Now I want to go back seamlessly. You never noticed.
1: <laughs>
0: the sad thing standing here, there are those who didn't notice. <laughs> In Isaiah four, <laughs> in Isaiah 49, speaking of the Messiah who is yet to come, it's saying of the Messiah, Messiah, you will be a light for the Gentiles. So the Messiah is called to be a light to the Gentiles. In other words, he's called to be a light to those people who are not yet part of the people of God, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Jesus says in Matthew 5, to his people, you are the light of the world. What she's saying is that the call upon him is that call upon us. That we might be a light to those who do not yet know Jesus in order that they might become a child of God. So when we think about our future moving from this to that, Moving from the Durham Centre to the Emmanuel Centre is going to be used as a base from which many community outreach activities can be initiated and move out to see those who do not yet know Jesus come into that relationship with Him. And so we have that place which will be that altar of worship, sacrifice, prayer, and encounter. And this is the vision God has given us. Church. Community. And there's got to be a third point. And that is conferences. It's exciting, isn't it? It really is. But you know, the the reality is that what happens in here day by day finances much of this ministry as we head from here into all that God has got for us. And we are blessed with the most incredible success story as we look at the conference business here, which funds, and what you're doing is almost like you're taking the treasure, the wealth, and the gold of the Egyptians, and you are using it in the pursuit of the kingdom of God. We're here today because the business is such a success. It's not an add-on, and it will never, ever be the priority in our life. Because that will be church, to the glory of Jesus. But it is an essential part of the outworking of who we are and what we want to do. And so when you look at either commerce or conferences, because they both begin with C, yeah, I think we are in a very, very good tradition here. We have a very good precedent here because did not Paul... When he needed to live, when he needed money for the ministry, it says he became a tent maker and he stayed with work and work with a particular family. And, but every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, but he's reasoning in the synagogue on the back of the fact that he's using his hands, he's using that talent which God has given him in order to make money for the ministry. So it's going to be church going to be community. And there will be conferences. But all for the glory of Jesus. We're on this journey together. It's so exciting to see what God is going to do with us. Because when we moved in here, which is 11 years next month. 11 years next month. You know, to see what God has done with us. Over those 11 years. is such a privilege. But remember the song. There must be. There is. To the glory. Of God. We are in a fantastic time. Privileged time. Where God is going to come. And do amazing things among us. Now. I'd like the musicians, if you would come back, please. But I'm going to do something now, which I don't think we've done before, in which I will probably pay for dearly in the morning. Because we have four full-time members of staff here running the conference business, which enables us to do everything else. And we have three of them present here this morning. Our fourth member uh, of staff no longer comes here, but goes to the cathedral... And meet with God there, but three of them are here this morning, and they don't really want to come out. <laughs> but let's let's ask them, shall we? Let's give them a very big round of applause and ask them to come out. So Leslie, Tracy, Peter. I don't want you to say anything. No. <clears throat> Ian gave me the microphone there, or gave it to Leslie. No, I'm not going to entrust that with the uh, microphone. <laughs> Time presses on. But when we, we've we never honoured the staff in, in this way, and I'll, as I say, I'll probably get it in the neck tomorrow morning. But they work extremely hard on our behalf. And without that revenue stream, this would not be possible. It would not be possible. They hit a record recently, didn't you? Now, who wants to say, how many bookings did you take in one week? Did you hear? Wait a minute, that's on mute. Right.
1: I don't need the mic. You do. One hundred and forty seven in one week
0: that's 147. one hundred and forty seven how many in a month two hundred and ninety in one month so you took so you took half of those in one week. well what did you do the other three weeks
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you know? And, and they'll expect to get paid at the end of the month. I mean, you know, I mean, honestly. I want us just to pray for these three. So if we're going to have elders, wives, if you'll come up, please. I know many would join us. But let's, let's stand together because we're going to close in worship. Father. John, right. can, can you just lead us in prayer here? Don't give the microphone to Peter.
1: (laughs) Lord, I want to thank you that you are using these three. And also, David, we want to thank you that you are using them to build your kingdom in a practical and a financial way. Thank you for their service. I want to thank you for the way they reach out to countless people who don't know you every day of the week as they come here and they receive a blessing from God even if they have never hear your name and Lord I pray that you will give them boundless energy, boundless compassion, boundless joy as they, as they spread your gospel with deeds and that they see the provision that you give us come in, so that we can see your gospel go out to this city, to this region, and to the nations of the world. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yep. Finish, right, folks? Thank you very much. You can go and sit down and relax now. But let's worship Jesus.